I, uh, I'm going to give you the update on our offering because uh, my brother uh, is sick, actually. Uh, I joked in one of the services last week because he made a mistake. I was going to uh, remove him from the staff, but that's not what happened. He is actually sick. Um, this time of year, uh, you have given so faithfully over the years in the month of December such that about a quarter of our entire uh, budget worth of income comes in in December. Many of you take it, uh, opportunities to give as this is the giving season. For some, it's an opportunity to think through your tax exposure at the end of the year and, and uh, to give as, as that helps in that way. And so this is a, an important time for us in the rhythm of our ministry and the Christmas offering is so essential. And uh, this year's goal for the Christmas offering is $2.7 million. That's a fourth of our entire year's budget that generally comes in and is our goal for this year. Someone asked me a few weeks ago, what does that include? You know, what, when you say a quarter of the offering, what kinds of ministries are covered by that? Well, that's all of our early childhood, elementary, uh, middle school, high school, our young adults, our special abilities ministries, all those ministries, both on Sundays and weekends for 52 weeks of the entire year. So it includes our early childhood ministry, and that's kids, zero to four-year-olds, the babies, and, and uh, the toddlers, uh, and that includes the ministries to them. It includes our early childhood, uh, excuse me, our elementary, which is kindergarten through sixth grade. They have their worship time on the weekends, and then they've got their midweek small groups, of course, in the summer, vacation Bible school, adventure weeks, a number of ministries and programs for our kids. And uh, then for middle school, this is the 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. This is such a critical time of year, and the investment we make uh, covers that in this quarter of our offering uh, for the year. And uh, this is a, such an essential time. It includes their weekend worship and, and activities during the week as well. And then for our high school and the ministry that they have to teenagers in those high school years and just before they sent out of their homes. And this includes our... Uh, our, uh, of course, weekend worship services for them, even serving opportunities and, and uh, midweek stuff in the summer, the bonfires that they do. And then young adults, this is reaching 18 to 30-year-olds. Uh, they have their own worship on Thursday nights, and then uh, they have small groups, and they have ministry teams, and they go on missions trips, and it's supporting that whole ministry as well as our special abilities ministry which has our, some of the young adults in that group are part of our A-team that on Tuesdays gather to help feed those in need through our fresh market ministry, but it also includes all the children's programming. Some kids have buddies as they go into the program that uh, is available for all kids their age, but then others, based on their needs, go into our special abilities wing on the weekend and have a ministry and programming just designed for them. Our buddy breaks, so many ways in which we invest in them. And as we've been mentioning, this also includes... Our, uh, our global partners are covered in this so that as you give in December, we're able in December to, or excuse me, in January to write a check that covers all of their support for the following year. So this is a really mission-critical offering. And if God has blessed you and your family with the ministries here at Calvary and you haven't uh, started being a part of the giving here, this is a great time to start that as you think about giving to others. And those of you who have given or give faithfully, uh, this is an opportunity for us to pray about what God would have us give as he would provide through us. And I know Leslie and I are praying what we would give above and beyond our regular giving uh, at this time because it's such a mission-critical time. The goal is $2.7 million, and as of just the first couple of weeks in this, we have $829,021 has been received. That's a great thing. We celebrate that. We also know that leaves a great deal of challenge. Yeah, we can celebrate God's goodness and provision. Thank you to those of you who've given. 
And then uh, 2.7 million is the goal. So as we move into Christmas weekend, and as long as you give online by the end of December 31st, or you, you uh, uh, postmark a check to us, uh, it's gotta be postmarked December 31st, or give in the box that's outside uh, on that day. Some folks even slip it in that box that we have out by the sliding doors outside our building. Uh, that'll be counted in our Christmas offering. And of course, you can give even now while you're sitting here online by going to calvarywestlake.org slash give through our app. Uh, if you want to give cash or checks, you can put them in the silver boxes here at the doorways. They're secure. Um, this has been a tough year when it comes to stocks, but for some, this is a good year still to give uh, appreciated assets. And you can reach out to Pastor Rick Fusilier and our team. One of the easiest ways is now to just scan that, that QR code next to you and it'll take you right to the giving if it's one of the few options you have there. And uh, this, I would just ask you to be praying for God's provision for us as a church since this involves so much of what's important to us in reaching the next generation, our global partners uh, for, for Christ. I want to ask you to go in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Maybe you have a hard copy of the Bible or you have a mobile app, a Bible mobile app, uh, open to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You know, in our world, as followers of Christ, we understand that there are things that are temporary and there are things that are eternal. And sometimes it's hard for us to know what is eternal and what is temporary. And yet we have to be able to sort that out to be able to live with peace and joy and satisfaction in a world that is broken and struggling and groaning. There have been even philosophical questions around what lasts, what matters, what, what really accounts. And um, when I was a kid, there was a commercial that asked one of those profound questions about how, how temporary something was or how long it would last. And recently, while watching college football and pro football, I've noticed the same commercial kind of creeping back up, asking such a profound question about the temporary or short-term short nature of a specific product. Watch this commercial. It goes back to my childhood. Mr. Cow. Yes? How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? I don't know. I always end up biting. Ask Mr. Fox, for he's much cleverer than I. Mr. Fox, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? Why don't you ask Mr. Turtle, for he's been around a lot longer than I. Me? <laughs> I bite. Mr. Turtle. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? Honey, he never made it without biting. Ask Mr. Owl, for he is the wisest of us all. Mr. Owl, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? A good question. Let's find out. One, two, three, three. If there's anything I can't stand, it's a smart owl. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? <laughs> the world may never know. What a profound question, right? How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Pop? And a bunch of the animals uh, said, you know, they had, they had to ask somebody else. And finally, you ask the owl, and the owl gives this wise, profound answer. But just how many of you were ready to say with the owl, one, two, three, with that, you know, that's a very familiar kind of uh, line for those of us who were raised in the 70s. But that commercials appeared again recently uh, on television, and um, it speaks of just the idea of something so silly as a Tootsie Roll and its temporary nature, how long it will last. But in life, we go through stuff in, in this world that seems like it's going to last forever, and yet there is a temporary nature to it. Today, we're going to be talking again about one of those descriptors the prophet Isaiah had 
seven centuries before that baby was born in Bethlehem, Isaiah prophesied some descriptors of who he would be as the one who would establish eventually his eternal kingdom. You remember in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, we read, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We looked at how that baby born in Bethlehem was God the Son, Emmanuel, God with us, humanity and divinity colliding there in that birth of that child and how he is indeed God the Son in human flesh and he is our wonderful counselor. A few weeks ago we talked about how he is our comforter. He's the God of all comfort as we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 and we heard the story of the Davises the loss of their daughter Hannah and how they found God's comfort and continue to find God's comfort through the heartache they have felt and experienced. Last week we talked about our Russian partners and all that they've gone through and, and how they've found God to be a mighty God in their lives and in their journey of fleeing the persecution in their country. Next week we'll talk about how Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We'll hear a story of the life of someone who, who finds peace in the midst of a lot of chaos, the Prince of Peace. Today we look at that third descriptor, Everlasting Father. And this can be a little confusing because when you think of Jesus, you think of him being the Son, right? You've got the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This isn't talking about a role or a title per se. This is about how he functions in relationship with us as his children. He is like an everlasting father. He is the one who cares for us, protects us, provides for us. Like a good father, Jesus, our everlasting father, provides for us, protects us, and patiently guides our lives as we walk with him. In his patience and his kindness, he brings wisdom and guidance into our lives, providing and protecting for us, being present with us in the journey. It's important that we understand that Jesus is our everlasting Father in our relationship with him. Second Corinthians chapter 4, I think, gives us a, a glimpse into what happens when we begin to experience Jesus as our everlasting Father. Our eyes get lifted from the temporary things of this world that won't last to the things that matter and the things that last forever. 2 Corinthians 4, the Apostle Paul is talking about all the hardships he's gone through. Later in the book, he lists things like, like being shipwrecked and beaten and imprisoned and left hungry and half dead and naked, all for preaching the gospel. And after he, he talks about all the pressures of life in the first several verses of this chapter, he says in 2 Corinthians 4, if you're there, follow along as I read from the New, New International Version, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart with all this stuff. Though outwardly we're wasting away. I don't know if you recognize that, but as you grow older, your body is wasting away. Every time I go to the dentist, there's another cavity. Every time I go to the eye doctor, it seems to add another lens to my glasses. So that now I've got three of them here that see far, middle, and near. We're, we're, we're over time, our bodies are slowing down, they're growing older. But it says, look, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So even though the outward man is perishing in this temporary world, in this temporary encasement of human flesh, I am, as I walk with my heavenly Father, as I walk with Jesus, the everlasting Father, I am being renewed on the inside day by day for our light and momentary troubles. What kind of Paul, troubles is Paul talking about? Shipwrecked, 
beaten in prison, these are, these are light and momentary problems, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We need to have this eternal perspective in the midst of living in the confines of time and space and the troubles and difficulties we wrestle with. Someone has said it this way, too many of us gaze at our circumstances and glance at our God. We need to gaze at our God and glance at our circumstances. Today I hope that you will, whatever you're coming in with in terms of heartache and pain and the realities of this broken world and, and this temporary existence that we're a part of now, I trust that you will be able to lift up your eyes and see your everlasting father, Jesus, the one who was born, the babe of Bethlehem. And that in that lifting up your eyes to see Jesus, you'll be able to lift up your eyes to the things that are eternal. I'd like to just take these two words together, everlasting Father, and explore them. Let's, let's begin with everlasting. Everlasting, what does that mean about Jesus? Well, he exists outside of time and space. He exists outside of time and space. He is not confined by that. And yet, in the incarnation, in his coming in human flesh, that baby that was there in the manger in Bethlehem, that the shepherds worshipped and the angels declared and sang about, that baby was the divine, God himself, encased in time and space. He exists outside of time and space. Jesus always was as God the Son and always will be. We read in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the great revelation that God gave John of the things to come, Jesus says to John in the opening of that revelation, in Revelation chapter one and verse eight, I am the Alpha and Omega. It means I'm the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. He's the eternal God who transcends time and space. What does that mean for us? What does that mean about Jesus and our relationship to him? First, nothing has or ever will last longer than Jesus. Whatever you're going through, it will come to an end. Whatever difficulty, whatever pain, whatever frustration, uncertainty or doubt, Jesus will outlast it. He is the everlasting one. And everything else is very temporary. Not just the trite, simple things like Tootsie Roll, Pops, but all the stuff we go through, all the things that we, we can amass in this world is very temporary. Back in June of 2021, some folks who are part of the Calvary family, the Newman family, David and Heather Newman, their children, their young adults, young adult children, uh, Brandon and Brittany, went through an experience they didn't see coming. They'd already had a challenging year, but they went into something that they thought would be routine and common surgery, and it changed their lives forever and brought them into a new normal. And today I wanna to share with you in two video clips the story of the Newmans and what they've gone through and even how David expresses his own relationship to his earthly father and his own relationship to his own children. I know not everyone here has had a great relationship with their father. Maybe your father has stepped into heaven and there's some pain even in discussing Jesus being our everlasting father. But you hear in this video clip how 
how that role of father has impacted them in real time today, but how the everlasting father has walked through with them stuff they never thought they would ever experience. Watch this video. I need to tell you about my dad. Growing up in Woodland Hills with my parents, had a great family. Anytime there was something to do, my dad would take me along and we would do it together. I think we've torn apart four car engines, multiple transmissions. My dad was an electrical engineer. We, we did it all and it was just he and I. And I learned so much from my dad. 2016, my dad had a massive stroke. 35% of his brain gone, he could, after that, uh, only speak maybe eight words. I didn't realize from that time on how important it was to be with my dad. So after my dad's stroke, we had to deal with a, a lot of care issues. My mom was hospitalized for 30 days. They needed to move to assisted living care. And on January 4th, 2021, my mom went to be home with the Lord. My dad can't live alone. He needed, he needed full-time assistance. All during this time, I'm being evaluated for prostate cancer. It would be a routine surgery, probably only four hours. That morning, I drove myself to the hospital with Heather, got into the prep room. As a wonderful wife does, she leans over and gives me a kiss, and it's lights out. I wake up 10 and a half hours later, pain in my hands, and I'm unable to see. I hear commotion in nurses, and I feel people working on my eyes. All of a sudden, there's this massive confusion. Laying on the bed, I'm trying to understand the male prostate's in your... Lower half of the body. Lower half of the body. <laughs> How is it even feasible to lose your eyesight? I didn't know what to do. You know, it was, it's like, this can't be real. I was leading a small group that evening. During the middle of that discussion, I got a text from Brittany that said, um, Dad's out of surgery, but he can't see. Answer your phone. <laughs> that too. <laughs> uh, he couldn't see, and that was permanent. But through the entire thing, the staff, the nursing staff was amazing uh, that first night as well, and just trying to figure out what was going on. Um, the support that we've had from friends and family um, far and near has been um, spectacular, and even on our bad days, I, we have them. In the back of my head, I'm thinking, who's gonna take care of my dad? He's in an assisted living facility. How can I be of any support to him when I can't see? Uh, Heather stayed that first night, and I could hear her breathing. Among all the noises that are in the hospital, and there are many, and they're very frustrating to listen to, I can't explain it, but there was a peace. Verses start flooding into your head. The verse I anchored on, lo, I am with you always. I would look back at my life with my dad. We'd be working on something and something would go wrong. And it was as if, you know, dad go, we'll, we'll fix it, we'll take care of it. There was this incredible peace with my dad. Dad and I could figure it out, and we always figured it out. We always figured it out, whether it was putting tile on the floor or running new electrical or uh, 
of fixing plumbing, Dad and I always figured it out together. So I started working through that as I came home and continued working on therapy for my hands and learning how to live blind. Two weeks after that, we discovered my dad had pancreatic cancer and lung cancer. His dad ended up living um, a couple more months, you know, and being able then to say goodbye to his dad uh, has been a process. As I look back, I recognize as he mentored me on how to work on cars, how to work on the house, how to love your wife, he taught me with his handicap how to be a disabled. He was always saying, thank you, I love you. My dad taught me grace in trials. It's easy for me to take the love that my dad had modeled for me my entire life and transfer that to an incredibly loving God. I know there are people that have had horrible relationships with their parents or their father. And so they think, how can there be a loving God? I have no question of God's love. Think of the perspective. I have no question of God's love and all that they've gone through in the last 18 months. Losing his mom just months before he lost his own eyesight, then to lose his dad. To hear David say, I have no question of God's love. He understands the everlasting nature of his everlasting father. We think about father and we look at that that word father, we looked at everlasting and how it speaks of the fact that Jesus exists outside of time and space. But father, in that he cares about us and what we're going through in real time right now, he has lived in human flesh. He has gone through the various experiences and trials and temptations of life. And the writer of Hebrews says, and through all of that, he did not sin, but he understands we have a, a a high priest in heaven who is interceding in our behalf before the Father, who gets it, he understands. He is our Father. He cares about us and what we're going through in real time right now. He cares about the Newmans and what they're going through in real time right now. Pastor and author Rick Warren says, everything that happens to a child of God is father-filtered, and he intends to use it for good, even when Satan and others mean it for bad, because God is sovereignly in control. Whatever comes into your life, it's filtered through the hands of your everlasting Father who cares for you in real time. He knows that you will not break with those things he's allowed into your life, but they will shape you and mold you and make you more like Jesus. You can live and love like Jesus in our world today. He cares about you in real time right now, your Father, Jesus. How do we know he cares? Well, first of all, through, he cares through his presence with us. He told his disciples, wherever you go and all my followers go, I'll be with you to the end of the age. He has given us the Holy Spirit as the permanent guarantee that we are his children and we have the presence of the Spirit with us. Quoting the Old Testament, the writer of the Hebrews says this, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, Hebrews 13, 5. Whatever you're going through, God is with you. Jesus is with you. Your Father who protects and provides and patiently guides and wisely walks this journey with you, he will be with you no matter what. He cares about us through his protection over us as well. The verse that follows Hebrews 13, 5, that talks about how he will never leave us, verse 6 of Hebrews 13 says, 
we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? If God is for us, who can be against us? He will protect you so that you will not be overwhelmed by the waves of the storm. You will not be overcome with the darkness. He cares for us in his presence and his protection. And thirdly, through his provision to us. Through his provision to us. In Philippians 4.19 we read, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He will provide for you. I know with some of the inflation we've seen and some of the investments going down that there are a lot of folks who are looking for God's provision in this season. Looking for God to provide. Even as your family looks for God to provide, there are other families who may be even more challenged looking for God to provide. Last week we talked about some of the needs our Russian partners do have who've had to flee and are here now in the United States. We talked about the need of a couple cars and a couple places for them to live. And I can just say to you, God provided those cars, praise God. And God has provided housing. Still, that's, we're working out some of the details there and it's not all worked out, but there have been many offers of ways for housing and working that through. Our God does provide. I was thinking this week about his provision and how kind of hands like this, you can have a picture with me with a gift in my hands and you wouldn't know if I was giving the gift to someone at Christmas or if I was receiving the gift. Did you just put your hands out in front of you like this? Just out in front of you? And, and just let this be a reminder that God provides. He is our provider. Jesus provides for us all our needs and the riches that are found in Christ Jesus. With your hands just out, let, let's just pray. With your hands stretched out, I just want to guide you in a prayer that you pray there in your own heart before the Lord. You pray this after me. Jesus, thank you for being my Father who provides. Thank you for providing for my finances. Thank you for providing my health. Thank you for providing my job, my career. Thank you for providing for our family. Now just maybe you have a need. that you, you need God to provide an answer to a family problem. You need God to provide financially for you. Just right where you are, just ask God to provide for the need that you have in your life. Maybe you need God's physical strength. Maybe you need resources to help you through a, a dark season of life. Ask God to provide. Now ask God to provide for others who are going through tough stuff. Maybe inflation has really tightened their family budget. Maybe the investments have really scared them for what's on the horizon. But just pray for others that God would provide for folks in our community, folks right here in our church. Ask God to provide. Ask God to provide for your church family in this season that we might see ministry flourish and more people come to Jesus. Ask God to provide. Thank you, Jesus, for being our everlasting Father. Thank you for showing us how much you care as our provider. Thank you that every good and perfect gift comes from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. I don't know about you, but when things look uncertain or there's some doubts on the horizon, even as we think about, as we went into our Christmas offering this year, I knew some folks were saying, you know, we've got investment issues, we've got inflation stuff, and I can get myself kind of, I'm human too, and I can get a little concerned about what happens if we get to January and February and, and, and that goal isn't met. What does that mean? And in one of the first devotionals I read, I was reading a devotional early in the month of December, I came across this quote, and I loved it. It's really helped me put my faith in perspective here as God is my provider, Jesus is my everlasting Father. Man says, show me and I'll trust you. God says, trust me and I'll show you. He is our provider. And through his patience with us, he shows us that he is our caring and everlasting Father. Through his patience with us. In 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16, the Apostle Paul talks about God's patience with him. And then he speaks of Christ as having immense patience for us as his children. He's able to absorb and to walk through us, with us through the, the stuff that affects us that we have no control over. He's able to walk with us through the stuff where we made mistakes, we sinned, we messed up. He walks with us patiently. Maybe some of you feel just frazzled as we go into this final week before Christmas and just feel worn out and you, you, you feel like life is just crushing you from every side and just know that your everlasting Father is patient with you. He's not saying rush on harder. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself in his earthly ministry would, would say in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We can go to him, our everlasting Father, who cares for us in real time right now, invites us into rest in his patience. As you heard the Newman story, it's changed everything for them from June 1st, 2021 till now. Experts tried to help, but outside a miracle from God, it looks like the blindness that David has from that procedure is permanent at least this side of eternity. Watch their continuing story. You know, he had his mom passed away, he went blind, his dad passed away. And so there are a lot of things that our family is facing. Um, we have days that are good days. We have days that are bad days. There are some days when it's like, God, why? Why aren't you providing a miracle? Because that has always been my prayer. So far, after a year and a half, um, gaining his sight back as a miracle, which I prayed for, has not happened. As the days continued and I recovered in the hospital and then I went into recovery, a new verse just started resonating with me. First Thessalonians 5.18. In all things give thanks. It doesn't say for all things give thanks. It says, in. God has just given me and our family so many blessings just as a family. Brandon and Brittany have been amazing. They've just given great help and great support and great love. Um, I was able to take my dad to the majority of his appointments. I was driving him to two appointments, you know, a day, sometimes one every day, depending on my job. If I wasn't able to do it, then we found friends or even our neighbors were, have been phenomenal about stepping up and taking care of that. Um, fixing the cars, making sure that the house is okay. And the friends that we have near and far have helped me 
make it through some of this stuff that's going on in our lives right now. Pastors like Steve Day or Pastor Mac, who have such incredible care and passion that they call and check on me. We've been on a lot of adventures together. Before Dave went blind, um, we would take road trips all the time. We would go everywhere and anywhere. Anywhere that the, uh, the car would go, that is. <laughs> and just having dad behind the wheel all the time, that was his happy spot, just like our happy spot was being on the boat and doing stuff with them as a family, with mom. Uh, we would go through Colorado, Wyoming, Yosemite, and Yellowstone. Uh, we still do some of those trips. We've done a couple since Dave went blind. But it's a whole new adventure. June 1st changed how we operated in every way. He, he used to work on the house all the time. Now it's figuring out what things need to be done at the house. And also, while we are doing our own jobs, what might we be able to do to just maintain simple upkeep, do laundry every week, um, clean dishes, and, and to his credit, my dad's gotten fairly good at, at washing dishes without causing much of a ruckus. We, we grew up in, in a very loving and warm and welcoming home. That hasn't changed. That's still here. That is both a credit to my parents' strength and also to their faith. It's a credit to God who has been able to provide us with that blessing throughout all this time. You know, fundamentally and ultimately, we learn our example of love, that steadiness, that constancy from Him. As far as our future as a family, it's different, but we're still a family. Do I miss looking at my wife's face? Yeah. If you were to watch us to line up to kiss, Heather has to make sure our noses don't crush each other. We struggle in communication, but we're working on it. It's a journey. The thing I've had to learn the most is patience. We've all had to learn patience, um, but we're in it together and we'll stand by each other and give those hugs when they're needed. Um, and just be there together for each other as we move forward and go on new adventures together. Amen. Amen. I want to thank David and Heather for allowing us to tell their story and Brandon and Brittany for adding to that and adding the perspective. Just want to say thank you to the Newmans for sharing their story. It's not over. Continue to, continue to pray for them. The journey continues. Thank you to those of you who have spoken to their lives, who have come alongside, who have prayed with them, been with them, and what they've gone through. I also want to just say thank you to Jordan Zaretta, who is our videographer here full-time. He makes 90% of the videos you see around here, and, and uh, he does a great job. He did the videos you've seen all three weeks and the videos you'll see next weekend as a part of our Christmas Eve service. He was a part of that and taking 45 minutes to an hour and a half of interviews and helping make them so that we can use them in our services. Jordan does a great job and he represents dozens of people who work behind the scenes in so many ways that we're grateful for on our team and in our volunteers and our church family. Thank you. 
So how do we engage this everlasting Father, the one who transcends time and space and yet came encased in human flesh as that baby born in Bethlehem and is truly our everlasting Father? He cares for us right now in real time. How do we engage our everlasting Father? How have the Newmans been engaging? Have you noticed that while he's lost his sight, David seems to be communicating a whole new perspective on life and gratitude and his relationship to his heavenly Father and the love of God. How do we engage the everlasting Father? Number one, recognize what is temporary. Recognize what is temporary. And it's a lot more than something so silly as a Tootsie Roll Pop. (laughs) Secondly, understand what is eternal. The Bible says there are three things that are eternal. God is eternal. God's word has the breath of life in it. It is eternal. And we as human beings have the breath of life in us and we are eternal. The scriptures say that we're either headed toward an eternity in heaven with God forever or we're headed toward an eternity in hell separated from God forever. It makes it clear that we're all on the path toward condemnation and, and eternal separation from God, but that God loved us so much he sent Jesus, the eternal everlasting Father, To be our sacrifice, he died, was buried, and was raised from the dead so that we can be forgiven of our sins and have life in him so that we can be picked up by God, not by our own good works or ourselves. We are picked up by God and put on the path and course toward heaven. When we know Jesus as our Savior, come to him by faith, he gives us eternal life and he gives us abundant life and kingdom life right now. If you haven't put your faith in Christ You can't begin to experience any of the tough stuff of life without Jesus, your everlasting Father, as a part of the journey, as you heard even from the Newmans. If you're here in the room and you'd like to speak to someone after the service, our care team will be down front. You can pray with them, talk to them about receiving Jesus. I'll be in the lobby. We can connect you with someone on our team who could open the scriptures and share with you. You can know Jesus and know that you have an eternal home with him and that he's walking with you today in whatever you're going through. Also, if it's more convenient for those of you who are online or even those of you in the room, you can just text the name Jesus to the number below me on the screen, the number 58568. And through just texting that name, Jesus, to that number, we'll connect with you and we want to answer any questions. We want to make sure you know that you can have eternal life with God forever. Make sure you recognize what is temporary. You understand what is eternal. You focus on what will last. You focus on what will last. I had a coworker in a ministry 30 years ago, and next to his computer, he had just this little post-it that kind of stuck out from the side of his computer monitor, and on it it said, will this matter a thousand years from now? That was the way he filtered through decisions and things that he purchased and just trying to determine what matters and to focus on the eternal things, not just the temporary things. Maybe you need to write, Will this matter a thousand years from now on a post-it and put it in your wallet or next to your computer screen or on your dashboard or on the mirror or on your desk at work, whatever helps you begin to say, wait a minute, am I focusing on the eternal things or the temporary things? And fourthly, to engage the everlasting Father, you cling to Christ. Just go to him over and over again. Go to him with your problems. Cast your care upon him because he cares for you. Go running to him and he will give you rest in the midst of the chaos and noise. He is our everlasting Father. I started out reading 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, about that perspective. And as you've heard, 
Dave's perspective and Heather's perspective as they still ask God for a miracle. And who knows, God may touch him and open up his eyes. But if God doesn't do that, either way, you can tell that their perspective is focused on the love of God and of their everlasting Father. I want to read again 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 to you. And I'll read it from the New Living Translation. And the only way to have that kind of perspective is to cling to Jesus, who is our everlasting Father. Yes, he's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, but he is our everlasting Father. Listen as I read 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Hear it from a slightly different perspective from another translation. And can I encourage you this week to read 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18? Even this Christmas season with all the stuff and lights and everything of this temporary world, lift up your eyes and see who the babe of Bethlehem is as our everlasting Father. Verse 16 for the New Living Translation. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Truly, like a good father, Jesus, our everlasting father, provides for us, protects us, and patiently guides us and our lives as we walk with him. Look to your everlasting father. Oh God, we pause to ask you to lift up our eyes I pray for Dave, Lord, touch his body, heal him, return his sight. Father, thank you for the perspective he's helped give all of us that there is something far greater we need to be focused on in terms of the eternal relationships and who you are and what your priorities are. Help us to see the things that last. I thank you for Dave and Heather and Brandon, Brandon and Brittany and for their willingness to share their story. Bless them as a family. Encourage them. May they know the love of the Calvary family. Father, I pray for those who today struggle to even understand what it means that you're their everlasting father in terms of father. They don't have a good example or there's something strained there. Heal that area. and May they be open and ready to receive who you are as their father. I pray for those who need your provision, your protection. They need to have a fresh sense of your presence. They need your patience and wisdom and guidance. Meet them in this moment as they lift their eyes to look to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Scott is gonna sing a song and you'll hear some of the very themes of what we've just talked about, about the everlasting God coming in human flesh. In the words of the song, King of Heaven, you hear, here our worlds collide, divinity and man confined. Emmanuel, which means God with us. And listen to that lyric as he sings, our eyes be lifted up, our great eternal hope arise. King of Heaven found on earth. I hope as he sings, your heart's eyes will look to your everlasting Father.